Hey everyone, welcome back to Always Evolving with me, Coach Mike. So the next podcast guest, I'm just warning you in case you have little kids around or you don't like curse words, you know, she has a bit of a sailor's mouth, but love her for it because she's totally authentic, uh, Kim Zoliak Bierman. But I'm just giving you a heads up. Uh, so there is a lot of profanity. Doesn't bother me, but if it bothers you, don't listen. All right, thanks. Today we have a super fabulous guest who doesn't need much of an introduction, but I'll introduce her a little bit. Kim Zoliak Bierman. Uh, she was one of the stars of Real Housewives of Atlanta. She also had a huge show, Don't Be Tardy, that's been on for so many seasons. She's CEO and founder of Salty K, a bathing suit line, and also has her own podcast called House of Kim. So uh, thanks for coming on Always Evolving, Kim. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's um, I know we talked about getting together at some point, uh, but, you know, with social distancing, that makes it pretty difficult, you know. Well, it looks like you've been taking care of your skin because it looks amazing. Really? Like it looks so glowy and dewy. What is the secret? Tell me all about it because you look really great. Yeah, I think it's probably a uh, lack of sleep, really good lighting. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think you look great. So I'm, I'm curious because I know you've probably spoken about this a lot where, you know, you were a nurse, you had a few kids. And did you ever think that your life was going to look like this? Yes, I did. Tell me. Not not the six kids because my my grandmother has uh, a bunch of kids and I was like there's no way I'm doing that. My mom has six siblings. I was like no way. Um I when I was 12 years old, well all kind of through my um 7th 8th grade high school, I I kept telling my mom I want to be famous and she's like Oh, that's really great, sweetie. Like but you know, we're in Connecticut. I grew up in Windsor Locks, a very small town. And so I wrote in my journal when I was 12, like, I want to be famous. I want to have my own TV show by the time I'm 30. Here's the thing, though. I knew that I didn't, I'm not good at acting, which is unfortunate. Um, I'm not good at acting. I don't want to be an actress. I don't enjoy that. So I wasn't really sure what I really wanted. I just knew that I wanted my own show of some kind. I left it at that. I knew I wanted to be famous. Uh, graduate high school. I don't even know how, cause I got kicked out a couple times for smoking cigarettes back then Catholic school. My parents were not happy with me. And, um, I said, mom, like, I just want to be famous. And she's like, sweetie, oh, that's great. But like, we need to go to college. So what is it? A hairdresser like her, which I don't, didn't want to be anything like her or a nurse. And I was like, you know what? I want to be a nurse. I think I would love that. So I went to nursing school always wanting to be famous, not really knowing what it entailed or anything. I just thought rich and fame. And, you know, I didn't really know what it entailed. Long story short, I got pregnant with Brielle. I was 18 and um, I finished school, graduated, moved down to Georgia and um, worked as a nurse for five years, five years or so. And I actually really love it. I love helping people. I worked anywhere from like a nursing home to trauma, you know, a bunch of stuff. Always still wanting fame. Well, nothing was going on in Atlanta. I only moved to Atlanta because my mom, my dad got a job transfer and my mom moved down here and she waited for me to finish college like a couple months and then we moved down together. So that's the only reason why I came to Atlanta. I mean, I, 
ultimately wanted to like go to New York or LA and, but having a baby and not having like support and being so young wasn't really an option. So that's why I came here. But Atlanta, there's nothing going on. Like there's at Real Housewives of Atlanta was the very first show ever filmed, ever, any TV show out of Atlanta, Georgia ever. It was the very first show. They had to go through all of these hoops and all of these things to wow. get this show to be able to come to air. But regardless of all this, that show was, uh, I was friends with Nini. We worked out at the gym together. We'd always have people laughing and, you know, whatever. And she's like, this girl's a nurse. Like, I had big boobs, blonde hair, like, but I still wore scrubs. I still, like, in my, I didn't go to work with makeup on. Like, I had my hair pulled back or whatever. And so Nini used to call it this, like, transformation. Like, all of a sudden, I go out and I got makeup on and big boobs. And so anyway, um, Bravo comes to... Uh, a producer here in Atlanta and says, listen, we want to do a show about um, housewives basically and all African-American cast. So Nini, who I always, I always thought she was kind of full of shit says, listen, I'm filming this pilot with Sheree. I was friends with them both. It's all African-American cast. So don't even get excited, but do you want to come do it with us? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I thought it was a big hoax, a bunch of bullshit. I was like, Nini, this is not, she's so crazy. This is some bullshit. So we filmed it in July and I went back to work. Um, and then in November, I got a phone call. Hey, um, they called it Ladies of Atlanta. So that was really alarming to me. It sounded more like a porno, to be honest. And I was like, what the hell does Nini sign me up for? What is going on here? So... I said, yeah, let's do it. $5,000 later in a whole fucking season became the number one show on Bravo. So I was 29 years old. I was the youngest housewife ever to start on the franchise. So $5,000 per episode, or you're saying $5,000 later for the season? Whole season, sweetie. No. Whole season. Whole season, $5,000? Whole season. $5,000. It cost you me know, so much money. No, I can't imagine your wardrobe. Did they, was there a glam budget? Nothing, nothing. Wait, so, so, so were you, when, the, when you knew what they were paying you at the time, what did you think the end game was going to be by putting yourself out there for $5,000? You know what? It's still my favorite season of all time because none of us knew. It, we were just real and authentic. I'm combative, you know, and like testy and like an Italian hothead. You know, Nini can be a hothead. Like I had, it was exhausting. We filmed way more. Like we would film 10 hour days where season two was maybe five hours, three times a week for Nini and I and Sheree. And, you know, so it was a lot and it was exhausting. Brielle had her birthday party at the Intercontinental that year and it cost like 22 grand out of pot, like all these things. Obviously, I was in a relationship, so it wasn't at that time. And he was very wealthy, and it wasn't like I needed the $5,000. Um, and I quit nursing and just did this. So we filmed from, like, February to May or June. And then October 7th, which is, like, the biggest day. I got engaged October 7th. I got divorced October 7th. Housewives launched on October 7th. This fucking day is, like, for me, huge. But um, it Nini and I were in New York um, like October 6th and we're walking down the street in New York and we're doing press for the show and people are screaming. The show hasn't even aired yet. They're screaming, Nene, Kim. And I was like, 
oh my God, I wanted this so bad. It's fucking here. Like I was so excited. I was so excited. I didn't care if they didn't give me $5,000. I think they have to legally pay you something. Otherwise they would have given us nothing. I feel like, but our income jumped drastically in the next year. Do, do you think you were so excited because you finally were like seen or like, what was it about being famous where you were like, you know, it fulfilled what? I just, I genuinely like love who I am as a person. And I, and I think I'm very funny. My dad's very funny. And so I have two girls who I think are amazing and the best kids in the whole wide world. And I just like love life. And I, and I, also, um, went through a horrible divorce when I was pregnant with Ariana. And so I met with a spiritual counselor named Angie when I was 23. And I've worked so hard with her up until this very day to just like learn about my ask, believe, receive motto, how to stay. Like mm. I would always get so tired around people and like, I'm very empathic. And I, at the time I didn't know what it meant. So I spent all these years by this point, seven or six uh, years really working on like creating this incredible life. And I was like so happy and I wanted everybody to know how to do it. So I spent all this money doing it. Well, not all this money. I mean, she's very reasonable, but all this money. And it was like, that was kind of my goal was to share that with people. And also to share people that like, I'm a single parent. I graduated school. I have two girls who are amazing. Um, and you can do it too. And that was kind of my thing. I never once thought like, I don't know. I mean, the people dig up your past, which I didn't really have much of a past, but, you know, I didn't realize kind of what went into all of this. And I just loved the camera, which I'm super shy. Like I, I I'm very shy. And if you ask Andy Cohen or, or anybody, they're going to tell you the same thing. Like I'm super, super shy. If I can avoid a red carpet, I will. I am very shy. Unless I immediately connect with you. Like, I feel like I immediately connected with you. It happens very rarely. Um, I feel like everybody at Troy's wedding was just so great. Um, but I'm super shy. But so the camera for me was like, I could be myself and the camera was just like, I had my own crew, you know? So it was like just yeah. about me. They became my family. I don't know. It was, it was just so great. And then it aired and it wasn't so fucking great. And I was crying and it was like, they were saying all these things behind my back. And so this dream that I had from February till October 7th was completely different. You finally, people are screaming your name. It hasn't aired. You're like, this is my moment. Like, holy shit, the law of attraction. I mean, yep. I am a beacon of this energy flowing yep. into me. Yep. I mean, the sky's the limit. 100%. And then the first episode drops. And what shocked you? Well, so I'm from Connecticut. And if I don't like you, I don't like you, right? I'm not going to act like I like you to your face. I'm going to say, fuck you to your face. I'm going to say, fuck you behind your back. Like, it's not, that's just what it is. That's what I grew up around. Ita you know, my family's Italian, Catholic, just that's what they are. So when I moved to the South, it was like, hey girl, how are you? And then behind my back, you're like, fuck you. And so honestly, I don't feel like it was until the last couple years that I realized like people are not always nice. People don't always have your best interest at heart. Like my husband is very real with me, like, sweetie, um, let's look at the big picture. I'm like, she would never do that. But you know, I, I was so shocked that they would talk shit about me. Like, wait a minute, we just left the party and, but you're telling me I'm an asshole or you're, you know, like I just was so upset. I was so upset about my dream. Like I'm, you know, it was so emotionally 
draining once it aired. And it changed me forever because I was just like my authentic self. I remained to this very day who I really am when others on the show were like having meetings on what they were going to do and how they were going to portray things. So this show that I thought was like so great, each episode got worse and worse. Like, you know, they just talked shit. There was a lot of competition and I don't know. I'm, I'm all about like women empowering women. I just looked at it different. So my dream was very quickly shattered. And, and you continued on that show for how long? Five years. Okay. So during, so you did, did the show for five years It initially started. And when you say, was it that, was it the way you were portrayed or was it people saying things behind your back that bothered you more? So I wore wigs, right? Which is funny because these bitches did too. So like, what the fuck is the problem? But I, I have amazing hair, like for real, I have amazing hair and that chapped their ass too, but I had amazing hair, but I loved wigs. My mom's a hairdresser. I grew up in hair salons, you know, like I love big hair. So they would make fun of my wigs and that really hurt my feelings because like you wear a wig. What? Like I couldn't wrap my mind around the hate. I just, I still can't like Nini got off the couch to attack me. Like, I've never had somebody, I mean, in high school, I had this one girl try to come after me. She's so ugly now in Facebook. I love it. (laughs) But she tried to fight me in the hall and it was like devastating to me. I remember like it was yesterday. These girls like Nini would try to fight me. It was so fucking crazy, Mike, that it was, I don't know. I I just can't even. Do you think, let me ask you, because you were, you were the only uh, white woman on Housewives of Atlanta, right? I've only been the only one. Only the only one. Yep. And, and I have to imagine that, um, you know, there's a huge demographic that watches the show and there's huge, you know, people typically when they watch reality shows, they're like, we like this person. We don't like that person. We like this person. And I, I know, I knew even back then, like you're, you took off, like even no matter how they kind of portrayed you for whatever reason. They called me racist. You know, they, they called me racist, which Honestly, and this was a big debate at the re- or the show when I went back three years ago was, you know, when Nini called me that, Nini knows I'm not racist, right? But like, what's one thing that she can say, right? And that would frustrate me more than anything. But there was no real traction to her statement because there wasn't like Twitter or Instagram when we started. This is in 2008. So there was none of that, right? So now you got Instagram and Twitter as each year went on and it was just insane. And so no matter what people said, it is what it is. Like I didn't have a voice. I didn't, you know, and it, and I couldn't believe that Bravo would even toy with something like that. I think that's what got me so upset throughout the, aside from, I don't know, I'll tell you why I walked off because it was absolutely barbaric and I walked away from millions of dollars and I have zero regrets, but you know, there's no control on these shows, basically just crazy shit. Like we are grown ass women, like who is, and they're all older than me by like, I think 10 years at least. And they put their hands on you. Like she strangled, like just crazy. I mean, this stuff like scarred me. I'm not kidding you. Like still to this day, I feel like I need therapy for this because it is, it is, I just took so much. And it wasn't that I took so much for the fame. I took so much because I wanted to have a voice. I'm strong. You know, I'm a very strong minded person and you are not going to fucking put your hands on me and get me off of the show and off of the fame and off of something that I wanted so bad. I will never give you that fucking control Mm. until I was eight months pregnant with cash and there was wine glasses being thrown at my stomach. And I walked off and never looked back until, you know, three years ago. So let me ask you, how much of that do you feel was 
real versus not real. You know, everyone talks about reality TV. Is it real? No, it's is real. It-, it is fucking 100% real. Our show, Atlanta Housewives, is 100% real. But here's what happens, right? So Nene hears from somebody else that I said this, right? So then Nene doesn't call me and I don't call her. And then we're in a room together and she's like, and she just blows up, right? There's the communication when filming starts kind of halts because everybody's almost in it to win it. It's the weirdest fucking thing on this show. Um, And I feel like there's a lot of them that have so many lies that they have to like keep up with and to try to protect their real life that it's almost like that they're so angry, so combative, so loud. Um, But not communicating is a big problem on Atlanta Housewives because you hear one thing from a producer or from another castmate, whatever, and that's it. You're pissed and it just starts it. So that's why it is real. Like, so instead of calling Nene and saying, Hey, did you say this? You're just like, Nene said what? And you just automatically go to that place. And it's, and it's just, I mean, my stomach hurt every single day, every single day. I mean, it it is the most stressful thing that I've ever done in my whole life. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, the way that they did portray things wasn't very fair, for sure. And how how did you get your brain? Because there's no, uh, you had no prep work, right? Before, it wasn't like you were a childhood star and you'd been through bullying right. or cyberbullying. Or like, you literally were like, from the scene in New York, you know, I picture you, you're like, oh my gosh, the time is now. And then all of a sudden there's injustices and things aren't fair and they don't make sense. And they're, they go completely against your values, but there's a vehicle going, right? How did you get your brain to be resilient through it? Like, and not do something that then you just regret. I'm a very rational person. I'm also like a very kind person and, and, and I'm too forgiving. So I would always forgive instantly. Right. And that was almost at my own expense. I feel like my parents have done a really good job with me and, and, you know, I did the complete opposite with Brielle. It's probably pretty obvious. I do everything for her, but my parents were like, you know, get a job at 16. I got pregnant. You're out at 18. You know, like you're doing something with your life. Like I had to work and my mom was a hairdresser and and I wanted, you know, this biolage shampoo and Paul Mitchell and all this shit. And my mom wouldn't give it to me. Like you have to work for it. I'm like, why would you not give it to me? You have it. You know, Um, my parents did a really good job with discipline my dad was physically abusive with like a belt and that kind of thing. And so I think that that also was like, I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. Um, and, and kind of stand on my own two feet. Like I, I think it almost made me stronger in a weird way. Um, my brother never got hit. There's only two of us, only me. So I think it made, I think that alone made me who I am today, seriously. And it, it went on until I was probably like 15. It wasn't like something that stopped wow. when I was four, you know? And did you, how did you, uh, how, is your dad still around? Yes. My dad is Navy, right? Navy. Um, my dad is, I, I do love my dad. He's great. My mom and I, um, have had some real issues. I finally, I think at 35, let that go, let the whole, she's my mom. I have to do whatever she, you know, does to me and take it. Cause she's my mom. I finally let that go when I was about 35, but, um, I took a lot of shit for 35 years. Again, though, I look at life, like I would never be the mom I am today. If she, she my mom was a great mom as far as teaching me how to do my hair, teaching me how to do my makeup. Like 
she's 10 times better in that arena that I am with my girls. Cause it's like, how do you not know how to curl your hair? But I think all of these things that my parents really, you know, like instilled in me and, and, you know, I don't, it made me who I am today. Like, I don't, I don't look at my parents. Like, I think everybody does make mistakes. I don't look at them and have any hate in my heart. Um, I just have a lot of uh, gratitude because I'm, I'm a really great mom, you know? And I think that because of them, I am who I am. So I try to take the same thing with housewives, you know, like one day it's going to come out like that, who I am as a person, you know, they're playing the whole big Papa story and all this bullshit when they're always at the house, like they're acting like he's was legally married, but you know, you guys are hanging out at his house all the time with me. But like uh, when we start filming, like you guys are different people. And so I struggled with that. And I kept saying someday, I always believe, and I think I'm witnessing this firsthand as we speak with certain people, but that the truth will come out and what goes around comes around. And no matter what, I tell my girls this too, like you can watch somebody today, not, not be authentic, steal, lie, cheat, whatever. I'm telling you firsthand, it will come back to get you. I live my life as authentic as I can be every day, but it's, it's not even a thought, you know, it's just something that I don't know. I don't know. I just, it's me, I guess. I don't know, but so it will come back. And so here I am eight seasons into my own show and who wouldn't love to get paid to film with your family? Like that's the real fucking dream eight years later. You know what I mean? So I always look at it that way. Like I, people blow my fucking mind these days. They blow my mind, the cyberbullying, the comments, the, and then you wonder why you're fucking miserable. Like you're miserable. Your marriage is unhappy. Your kids are unhappy. Like your fucking thoughts create your reality. If I could beat this into every single person, I spent years on myself. I spent every week, one hour a week, two hours a week with Angie to this day. I have a call on Friday with her because we all get stressed or Angie, I'm so irritated. She keeps me on the straight and narrow. And I have no shame in saying that. And I've spent so much time on me to get where I am today to have this thought process. How the fuck can you not do that too? figure it out, Mm. you know? And that's why I started house of Kim was to share this knowledge with people but you, you know what Corey says to me, Kim, like you can't hammer it into people, right? They either want it, the information or they don't. Yeah. It's almost like a attraction rather than promotion, right? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And, yeah. and let me, let me, I'm, I'm curious because knowing that you ran, you not ran, but you left the house at 15, you said, and said, I'm out of here. And your dad 18. was- a, I, I 18. did run away okay. three times. Um, my mom, my daughter just picked up a bunch of stuff from my mom's house because they're moving. And there was literally a runaway note in there and was like, I cannot deal with dad's shit anymore. Love you, mom. And my mom dated it. And it was, my mom wrote 15 years old, the third time Kim ran away. Oh my God. So I left How? at 18. I finished high school, got kicked okay. out of a couple of high schools, uh, finished and then left at 18. And how, how, in terms of being in a household where there was physical abuse and then being, bringing the family around your dad and reconciling and healing, like, can you there's just no me- healing. There's no healing. No healing. Uh, there's been no, there's not even a, there's not been a talk of that. I do think now that I'm older, 
that I definitely like I have lower back pain. Right. And so I read a lot of these books, emotion code. And like, you know, basically when you do have trauma as a child, you hold it in your lower back. You know, I see a chiropractor every week. So I think, and I always tell Corey and I say it on the podcast, like, I do think I need some form of therapy from a standpoint of it's not that I hold on to it. It's that things trigger it and how to manage that. If that makes sense. Well, yeah. And I think what you're saying too is, and it makes sense why someone getting physically, uh, physical with you would trigger you in such a way that it would be completely traumatic because that was the very thing that you were scared of and that you experienced. And then when somebody does it in a way that is completely unfounded and irrational and doesn't make any sense, your panic button is going to go really off because, because you're like, you know, we either fight, flight, freeze, or appease. And yep. you're like, I, I'm out of here. Like, this is crazy. I'm out. And it sounds like you making a decision that it's not worth it ha- and not putting up with what is highly inappropriate led you to then actually carving out, creating a show that is your show where you're an executive producer with your husband, you coming out with a lot of products and businesses, you coming out with the podcast House of Kim, you coming out with Salty K bathing suits because of you making a decision to do what's right by you and not and walk away from millions of dollars and walk away from something that maybe a lot of people would have stuck with. And I got to imagine you're pretty proud of that decision. When I walked away, so my husband, I'm married at this point. I, um, when I was pregnant with KJ, which was the, this right before the next season, I ended up, I think season four, um, I was pregnant with KJ and I started having like in April, he wasn't due till June 19th. I started having contractions from the stress. I ended up in the hospital. They stopped the labor. It was a big thing. And my husband's like, dude, fuck this show. Like, no, you know, this is not happening. So I kind of took it easy with that. And then the next year I was pregnant with cash and, um, they wanted to go, they were going to Anguilla. I'm 32 weeks pregnant and they're going to Anguilla. The only way to get to Anguilla from here is to St. Martin and then take a little plane or a boat or helicopter, I'm sorry, or a boat to Anguilla. Like I'm not getting stuck on a fucking island, 32, almost 33 weeks pregnant. I ended up having my son four weeks later, but long story short, um, when I walked away from that show that day, I was having really bad contractions. My husband called Andy Cohen crying and was like, we're done. We're done. My wife is 32 weeks pregnant with our son. She's having severe contractions. My OBGYN who's delivered five out of my six kids at this point has become a family friend. I called him. He said, come to my office right now. Like it was way too serious for me to not walk away. But I will tell you, my kids are, I'd fucking take a hundred bullets for my kids. There's no question. But I was walking away from the fame right in my head that I wanted so bad. My lawyer said, Kim, if you were my wife, I'd sue the fuck out of everyone. This is unacceptable. You're eight months pregnant, getting glasses thrown at you, production screaming, like this is crazy. And I just said, that's not who I am, man. I just can't, like, I don't want to do that. I just want to go on with my life. But it was for a month. This is in, Cash was born August 19th. So this is like July my husband goes off to football camp. I'm at home. I'm not filming. Everybody else is. And I was like, obviously I'm pregnant and so excited with, to have this baby. And my husband's mate. My husband's fucking amazing. And, but I'm, it kept popping into my mind. Like, why would you let 
these people destroy this for you. This is what you wanted. Why? It, it was tough. I'll tell you, it was tough. Yeah. Very I imagine, tough. I, and I imagine, I imagine it's tough because the negativity. It's like I gave it. Well, you were feeling like maybe you were allowing the bullying to actually um, mm -hmm. cause you not to live your dreams. 100% right. It's like they won. Finally, they won. And so one of my producers um, had said, I need to go to Anguilla. And I had text and said, I can't go. My doctor won't give me the clearance. And so he told the ladies that I said I could go. So the ladies pushed the trip up a week or two. And it was all just a production thing where they lied. The guy literally got fired that year, thank God. But I felt like they won. It was an ego thing for me. Like I let them win. If I wasn't pregnant, I would have never done. I would have, but my son, my health was way more important. My blood pressure was so fucking high um, and it just wasn't worth it. So about four weeks later, so Croy calls Andy Cohen crying and says, we're done. Fuck you. Fuck this show. My husband was very upset. He's screaming. My wife is eight months pregnant. Now I got to take her to the fucking hospital. Like this is unacceptable. How dare you let this happen? And blah, blah, blah. My husband, I don't think to this day, honestly, have I ever seen him that upset? Mm. Andy was very professional, said he understood. And uh, four weeks later, I get a phone call. You want your own show? What do you want to do? You want your own show? And I was like, that's a lot of pressure. Like, I don't know. Like, that's a lot of pressure. I have five other people on Housewives. So like, if I can't film on Tuesday at five, Nene would. Nene and I had a pretty cushy schedule versus the other ones. Like, you know, okay, I'll do it. And so they filmed Cash's Delivery, some of it or whatever. And um, that was it. Here we are, like, you know, eight seasons later, the new season will air in October. And, um, and I fucking love it. And it's the best. And I, it's the fucking best. I mean, it's just is. I film with my family literally, and we all make great money, you know, like, and it's fun. My crew is my family. My sound guy, Dougie Fresh, he's been with me like every year. I just, I don't know. I love it. It's the best. It's the best. Like we really look forward to it. COVID has messed it all up, obviously. But um, yeah, I, but for four weeks, uh, it was tough. My husband's like, Kim, it's not worth it. You know, my husband's a very black and white person. He's also a man. So he's not like emotionally invested in things. Like, why would you ever want to go back? Like they threw stuff at you. They're screaming at you. Like, your, your husband was like, why would you want to go back into working essentially with the same network probably, right? Uh, and the same people. Yes and, and no. You know, uh, yes and no. My production company is different than Bravo and, and they're, you know, they've been great. And so they understood and uh, they were very fair upon my exit. And so, you know, it is what it is. Everybody understood, you know, Um and then our own show, it was like, it's a lot of pressure to carry your own show. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of pressure. Like it's, are you that invested in my family or is it about all six of us collectively? You know, like, is this going to, it was very stressful, but it, but it wasn't, that was just my initial thought. And I have never thought about it again, to be honest. I'm curious your thoughts since now there's been so many of these shows and real housewives and productions that have taken place. Um, Housewives of Atlanta is still number one. Wow. Do, do you, do you think, um, people that get into it now, do you have any advice for them? I don't think 
now that there's been so many shows that, that people, and I'm, I don't know anybody that's, I don't watch the show to be honest or any franchise, but I just think that everybody's got this facade. Everybody's trying to keep up with the Joneses. Like, you know what? You should really try to be authentic because we all bring something to the table. And if you would just be fucking authentic and stop trying to like one up, like some of the girls on housewives before the reunion would have calls with other family members that said, you know, Phaedra did this or candy did that. And it was like, what the fuck? And they would call me and I, I, I'm, I don't give two fucks. Like, I don't, I don't want to listen to these calls. It was so random, so much energy into bringing other people down. That's kind of what I think these shows have turned into. Honestly. Mm. Um, I think that people, if they're truly authentic I think we all have some sort of gift and you can really share it with the world. And if you try to keep up with the Joneses, I mean, you're just in a fucking number, you know, because Bravo's seen it all. They've all seen the Rolls Royces. They've seen the fucking cars. They've seen all these things, but it's the one that just lives and is authentic. We all go through shit, right? My life isn't happy every fucking day and it's a bed of roses every single day. Be authentic, share those ups and downs. People are, you know, they can relate to you. Why do you think someone who has, because at the time, like you didn't have, you were married, but you know, you were with someone who had money. And, yeah. and uh, what, what do you think is the driver for a lot of people to be on Real House? Like, like I look at some of these people, they already made it, right? Like right. they're set. So right. I'm like, what is, what's the reason you know, and they're in their they're in their fifties, right? It's not <laughs> like it's not like they're in their twenty late twenties trying to do this. So, right. what's the psychology behind it? Same. I think a lot of the relationships are, you know, the husband makes a lot of money, the wife's at home bored, she's taking care of the kids, and it's that they want some kind of identity, you know, and and that's not the fucking answer. Like it's not, uh, you know, even though I was with somebody who was very wealthy. Um, at the time I still worked like us women, honey have to hold it down for ourselves and our own families. Like there is no fucking way I'm going to be a stay at home mom. It's never going to happen. It's it's never happened once before. It's never going to happen again. Like I go back to work after all my kids, seven days later, KJ back on housewife, seven days later, cash filmed his delivery and worked right up after the twins. I did have six weeks off, but you know, um, I think they try to find some sort of identity, but then you're, Atlanta, I can only speak for Atlanta. It's authentic. It's true. What happens, happens. But you can slice, dice, and edit it however mm-hmm. the fuck you want. Yeah, that that's the thing. With, that's the fascinating thing with editing is you can literally make someone be a monster that's like Mother Teresa just through editing and a voiceover and a few other people chiming in. And they want it. And but I've that noticed. That one lady, that one housewife, shit, I don't know who it was. The, the editing producer came out and said, yes, I edited her to be terrible because I don't like her. Like she just recently, like the last six months came out and said this shit. And so it's like, oh, that's why I look like shit. Cause I went back to housewives, right? I'm thinking housewives of Atlanta has changed season 10, big year, right? Everybody's bringing Kim back. Everybody's changed. I'm going to go back. This is going to be fucking great. I've talked to Nini on and off. Sheree and I will always be friends. She was in my wedding. This is going to be fucking great. How the fuck? Five years later, have none of you motherfuckers grown? Not one ounce of you. You've not changed. You've not grown. How? I cannot to this very minute wrap my mind around the fact that you have not invested in yourself and grown. You're the same fucking person you were 10 years ago. 
the same nasty negative tear you down. Why, why do you think that is? I think it takes effort, man, to work mm. on yourself. You know, people like it's uncomfortable to feel sad or to feel, you know, all these feelings. And so for me, it's a trigger. Like, why do I feel this way? You know, how can I correct this? Like everybody has triggers. These girls just want to, it's about the money and the fame. Yeah. That's it. The rest of it, like, it's not, it's not really fair. Yeah. I think, I think some, I always say it's, uh, it's, uh, lazy to be miserable. It takes work to be happy. You know, anyone, anyone can, anyone can sit there and be depressed and complain or blame others, but it takes real work and effort to actually grow and make changes. And you've grown abundantly through what you've done uh, since you made a decision to get out of a situation that's just not healthy for you. And you've had a lot of businesses. Now you have a swimsuit line. Well, I started Cashmere Collections, which is named after Cash. I started that in 2016. It's my skincare line. We've sold over 20 million. Wow. You know, and I have over 300 employees. Um, I love 300 skincare. Empl- you have 300 employees? Yeah. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. And uh, I have a great business partner who, you know, we it's him and I. He does a day-to-day and I do all the packaging and the products. And I'm obsessed with skincare. And that was my first. Um, and that really pissed the ladies off. And then they couldn't wrap their mind. I think at that point I had sold like 10 million or something. They're like, what are you, Kim Kardashian? It's like, well, sweetie, Kim Kardashian's probably selling a hundred million. But yeah, 10 million is really easy to achieve when you sell a good product, which uh, And didn't you like, so and by then, the way, but, but by the way, you also, this is just a side note. You also decided to come out with a song and it actually became a hit. So, so I wanted to be a one hit wonder, right? And Brielle wrote a song called Don't Be Tardy with or tardy for the party with her guitar instructor when she was nine years old. And I was like, I just want to be a one hit wonder. Like I love music. Music makes me feel happy. It makes me feel, I love music. I love country music. I love whatever. I love Madonna and all that Janet Jackson. I love Brett Michaels. Corey really hates that. But, um, so I want to be a one hit wonder. I physically said, I want to be a one hit wonder. So you try performing dancing in front of these bitches at the reunion, your song, that became number one on iTunes, number three on iTunes by 6 a.m. that morning. I cried my eyes out. Don't be tardy is number fucking three on iTunes. Are you kidding me? Then I went on Ellen DeGeneres and performed on her 12 Days of Christmas. I was on Wendy Williams. I traveled all over to the best gay clubs. I stopped doing straight ones because they weren't as fun, to be honest. Three weeks in, I said no more. From Splash to whatever, for 90 days, I traveled this country. And I had the most incredible experience in my life. And that's what I wanted. The one hit wonder. I got it. It did so well. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it hundred percent. So cashmere's done great. My girls, Brielle's 23. She's my firstborn. Love her to pieces. Ariana's 18. Didn't know how the fuck her and I were going to eat and Brielle when I had them. And so as they get older, I'm like panicking, like, uh, how am I going to fuck it? Like, they're going to go to college. Like, thank God. Well, this sounds terrible, but Brielle's like, I'm not going to college. Nobody even knows how she graduated high school, but somehow she did. And she's like, mom, I'm not doing college. It's not my vibe. And I want Brielle to be who she, Brielle is. So Brielle sticks around. Ariana is my straight A student. She was supposed to go to ASU, but she's going to stick around here in Georgia. But about a year ago, or a year and a half, I said, what can I do with my girls that will keep them like around me forever? Like I want to build them houses on my street. <laughs> I want all six of my kids to have a house. Like 
I dream of this. It's funny. Chloe Kardashian is one of my dear girlfriends and her and I, she's like, you're fucking nuts. Like my mother, like you guys want the same weird things, but like, I genuinely want that. And I said, well, let's start a cosmetic line. Cab Cosmetics, right? Starts for, stands for Kim, Ariana, and Brielle. Mike, we did a pre-order and sold out of 10,000 units per color in less than, I think it was like 12, something crazy, 12 minutes. Something, it was insane. Sold out. Super wow. successful. We were a year and a half in and have a lot going on with that. Um, I feel like when you do something you're passionate about, it's going to be successful. You may have some like bumps in the road or, but that's my other thing. Like, what do you feel in your gut, right? Do you want to make curtains? Do you want to fucking build houses? Do you want to write a book? What the fuck? What do you want to do? Listen to that little voice and figure it out. And during the quarantine, I feel like, I hope that a lot of people have had the time to say, you know what? I really want to write a book. I really want to be a, a mother or something. I really want to get married, whatever it is. I, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of my friends have had their own revelations, I think the quarantine has been great for people um, and it's made us all kind of slow down. Um, but I think if you're, you know, if you do something that you're passionate about, it'll be successful usually. And then Salty K was just something that I love. I love bathing suits. I own over a thousand of them. I can never get the fit right. I want my boobs to look bigger, my butt to look bigger, my stomach to look flatter. How can I do it? And I launched June 1st, Salty K. Brielle named this one too, just like she did cab because she always tells me I'm salty and I sold out within a few hours. I launched the second collection June 17th and I was on the phone doing something really big for my other company, Act Cab. And I hung up the phone. It launched at three. I hung up the phone at four and I looked on my account and I was sold out of everything. And I crying my eyes out. I'm like, I'm a human being, you know, like I'm a human being. And so I did, I shared it and I didn't care how people took it. And everybody was so inspired and so it was incredible. It was like the best. It was the best. It was the fucking best. And, and I am, just, that's like the most fun. I have the most fun doing bathing suits. I love it. Well, thank you for coming on always evolving with me. And uh, you're the best. We need to have uh, talks. Pre- I'll be out there soon for a few weeks. Yeah. So we need to, we need to meet up. When are you coming out to LA? I'll be out in LA September 17th for like two and a half weeks. Awesome. Well, hit me up. Let's hang out. Now we text and you leave me no, voice memos and no, I send you videos of me in Speedos. So No, we need to definitely do that. Well, you're such an inspiration. I love what you stand for. I love what you're all about. I love your energy. I love being around you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thanks, Kim. We will be hanging out soon. For sure. All right. Thank you, Kim. Everyone follow Kim, Kim Zoliak Bierman. And check out Salty K in our House of Kim podcast. And I'd love for you to check out my free empowerment group on Facebook. Uh, we meet every Tuesday on Zoom. To learn more, you can go on social media at coachmikebear.com. Add your email. And uh, it's a great empowerment group. It's completely free. Also, follow me on Instagram at coachmikebear. And stay in touch, stay safe, and keep it magical. Mm-hmm.